once again to Inside LAFC. We are back. I am Max. There is Vince. Vince, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Max, just get straight to our guest. I, okay. I'm, I'm super excited for this guest. Wow, excuse me. So much for pleasantries. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just, I can't help it for once. You know me with, with Serie A and Italian football and I right. bore people to death with it. So get to it. All right, you calm down a little bit over there. Right, but so let me just say this. We have a big show. We're going to have the faux Classico. Much more details on that. Uh, Mario Ruiz, the producer at 710 AM, and Dave Denholm with an incredible project that I think is unprecedented. We will have more details in our next segment, but let's bring in the one and only Gab Marcotti, the uh, ESPN senior soccer football writer, also works. I just like saying Corriere del Sport. <laughs> Corriere <laughs> del Sport. Your trunk, man. Not, not many people can roll their R's properly, but Max, you can yeah, my son, I'm Cuban, obviously, we have to roll our R's. He cannot roll his R's, and it's a huge dilemma in the household. And I've lost sleep on it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, oh, my God. We'll have a, I would love to have you on because you have a, a great outlook on everything that is football. And you are in London, where soccer now is starting to percolate and come back. We have the Bundesliga this weekend. There's this date now set for the Premier League. The Serie A is... As, as bleak as we thought that leak coming back is also designing plans. So where do you see it right now from the European perspective about timing wise, does it feel right? And what can we learn from this German, this first German lesson? I mean, look, first of all, Germany is unlike the rest of Europe. I think we need to, we need to say this kind of very, very clearly, not just, not just because to, to put on these games behind closed doors, you know, obviously you're not getting any gate receipts. So it's only going to make sense financially if, if you've got the TV money coming in, if you can, you know, um, put the games on TV. So you've got some sponsorships some commercial revenue. And so I think it was really only ever on the cards for, for certain top flight leagues commercially. And then in terms of safety, uh, Germany were far ahead of everybody because, you know, it's the biggest economy in Europe. It's, it's the wealthiest big country in Europe. Um, I think in general, they've been super organized from, from day one. So everybody's looking to say, to saying, how are they doing it? And if they can do it, you know, what can we implement in our own countries? And that's effectively what, what, what Spain has done with La Liga, what the Premier League has done here, what, what we've tried to do in Serie A. Um, I think one of the single biggest hurdles, and I think this is going to apply, you know, when U.S. sports start coming back as well, is if somebody tests positive, ideally, you just want to isolate that player or that member of staff. However, there may be situations where, for medical reasons, you need to isolate the whole team. And if you got to go and quarantine a whole team, that's two weeks gone out of your schedule. Schedule's already pretty tight. Um, that throws a spanner in the work. So I think that is the single biggest question mark going forward. Everybody's saying, we'll just go and isolate the player and it'll be fine. But I think the last word will, will, will always remain with the medical authorities. And, and there was a case, Dinamo Dresden, was that correct? Where they had to quarantine. So that whole team two weeks is out of the picture by and large, correct? That's right. And that was specifically a medical decision. You'll remember the German government saying, yeah, we agree with the league. There's no need to quarantine the players. You know, let's just, just take the one guy, quarantine him, uh, observe him, treat him. But, you know, local health authority in, in Dresden saying, whoa, hang on a minute, something about this test isn't quite right. We feel for, for public safety and safety has to come first. 
we have to quarantine the entire team. Yeah, we've been hearing a lot about what the leagues want to do, but also I've been getting more and more sense, or maybe we're just hearing about them because they're sensationalizing them. There's a lot of players now coming out saying, I don't think it's right. I don't want to do this. What, what kind of, what vibe are you getting from, from players around the Euro, European leagues? Are they, do they want to play? Um, I, I, I think the majority do want to play. I, I think it's a slightly, I mean, look, you've had isolated cases. You've had Suso in, in, in Spain and, and one or two others. I think it's been, where it's been an issue, you know, I think has been here in England, uh, actually. And I think it's also because here in England, you really do have a chunk of public opinion that, you know, for whatever reason, don't want to play. So, um, or, or don't want them to play. So, you know, there is a bit of a backlash to that in some quarters, although the government's been pretty clear that they want to see football come back. Um, but I think equally, the Premier League's had a lot of difficulties in finding their way back. You know, you compare it to Germany where day one, Christian Seifert, Premier League, CEO, the Bundesliga CEO, or indeed Javier Tebas in, in, uh, in Spain, you know, these guys come out and say, yeah, this is the path. This is what we're going to do. Let's get a rep from the players. Let's get a rep from the, from the medical side. Let's get together. Let's work out how we can do this and how we can do this safely. In England, for a bunch of reasons, that hasn't quite happened. And, you know, you look at that, you look at the fact that the United Kingdom has the highest number of deaths in, in Europe. Um, and I think there's a certain mistrust of the way things are handling in, in some quarters. And as a result, you, have, you also have a lot of foreign players as well. The majority of the players who supposedly have expressed some skepticism, either in public or in private, uh, have been foreign players who maybe have gone home, who maybe, you know, aren't as comfortable here. Um, you know, they've said, well, hang on a minute. Are we sure about this? Can you give us assurances? Obviously, the most high-profile English player has been Danny Rose. That was very recently. Uh, but he's really been one of the few English players. I think that's going to change. I think once they come back, once they see the organization, once they have a chance to dialogue with their clubs, because remember, we've only had a, like a proper – in fact, we don't even have an approved medical protocol here yet. Um, we just have these ideas, these – you know, fragments of information, you know, there's, there'll be no spitting. Um, I think in the Daily Telegraph on, uh, on Wednesday, uh, it's been suggested that, you know, part of the protocol is going to be when you go to tackle somebody, be sure to turn your head away. Um, my colleague Jason Burt tweeted that out. I don't quite know how that works, but, you know, that's, that's not reassuring to a player, right, when you hear that. Uh, but I think, I hope, once the, the training sessions start, once they'll get a little more comfortable with it, I don't really think there's going to be an issue with, with players not wanting to play. Speaking of ideas, I'm, I'm wondering, since you spent some time out here in America, obviously we, we talked about you got your Philly Union shirt on. We talked about Metro Stars. Uh, hey, you sometimes know, you'll see him. When I saw him in Bristol, he'd be driving around with his Philadelphia Eagles jacket. It was a sight to behold. And, and Gab's a tall guy. He comes out of his car and he's like, he's a... <laughs> well, I, I, I went to college in Philly. So, yeah. So, you know, sue me. Well, what, what I'm thinking is, so MLS has been, the ideas are swirling around, and obviously out here, out here we're a lot more open than, than the European leagues in terms of the dressing room, um, just access to players in general. And there's been talk about miking up players, doing little, certain things that are going to make uh, a game without fans maybe a little bit more exciting, which it seems like we're going to have no fans for a while. Have you heard any ideas, any fun kind of ideas in Europe? I mean, I, I'm sorry, I just don't think of Europe as – fun in that regard when it comes to that that aspect of football the whole wacky side of it i mean 
But there have been, right, I haven't had players mic'd up, but, you know, you have already, for example, in, in Serie A, for, they've been doing this for a couple of years, as you probably know, um, you know, they have cameras in the dressing room beforehand. Uh, here in the Premier League, uh, control is much, much tighter. Part of it is also because, you know, the, the, a lot of clubs have their own media operations, so obviously they want to go and, and promote that and, and monetize that. Um, there was a suggestion, hey, you know, uh, I love it because you realize England really is an island, right? So, like, when somebody comes up with an idea here, even if it's been done everywhere else, it's like, hey, look, this is new. Nobody's thought of this before. So they're like, hey, how about we have a couple words with a manager as he walks off the pitch? Nobody's ever seen that. I'm like, dude, they were doing that in Brazil, like, in the 1960s, you know. But whatever. Um, so they've had a couple ideas like that. Nothing over the top. I, it's been more stuff with fans. I mean, you probably saw this. Um, I thought it was a bit creepy, but I'm speaking to you guys on Zoom, so I think I can promote them. Um, you saw in Denmark, uh, Danish League, I think, coming back on the 30th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you can pay to basically be on a Zoom call with the game. So the idea is guy scores a goal, then he wheels around, there's going to be a giant screen, and there's going to be like 22 lucky fans on the Zoom call, and they can all kind of celebrate with him or possibly insult him, as, as the case may be. Um, you've seen stuff like that. You obviously saw the Borussia Mönchengladbach. You can pay for a bunch of, of cardboard cutouts, although I kind of think of the idea of like 10,000 cardboard cutouts of German fans to be slightly disturbing rather than <laughs> the novel. A wee bit. <laughs> would wear off pretty quick. But um, I think people are coming up with that. People are debating, should you pipe in crowd noises or not? Um, I watched a little bit of the, uh, the K-League. The, the Korean league, um, and they had the piped in crowd noises. And I have to say, I, okay, being a Serie A fan, Vince, you'll know this. Sadly, we're used to seeing games behind closed doors. Yeah. So on the one hand, you're like, hey, it's kind of cool because you can hear what the substitutes are shouting and whatever. On the other hand, I watched this game, I watched a segment, a part of this game behind closed doors, and even with the pipe that sound, it sounded more normal. Like, I almost, like, forgot that the stadium was empty. Um... So I, I don't know where how it's going to work out. I mean, these are all details that they gotta that they have to go and figure out. But like, I'm not a tech guy, but maybe you could do like a giant green screen, and you could still have like some sort of I don't know CGI backdrop, or, or I don't know. Maybe they could go and and, and 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 play it like in some sort of Game of Thrones type setting. I don't know. I mean, sky's a limit, right? Well, Y'all like to experiment there. Why yeah. Not? But let me, I, we'll, we're going to shift focus here, talk a little MLS and just some, some fun things in general. But I, I mean, obviously, this is what everyone's discussing. Do you think that there will be a, a benefit for A, for instance, the Germans starting so quickly and getting some games and getting those eyeballs, the creativity uh, in presenting your league? Obviously, some leagues aren't going to start at all or restart at all, like in France and the Netherlands. But do you think what can happen in these weeks could benefit these leagues or would it be a situation where when everything gets back to normal, whenever that is, that it's all forgotten? But is there that, is there that little rub from the German leagues where they can, they can get a bigger piece of the world soccer pie or if MLS comes out with something creative, could they do that? Dude, so I have a friend who <laughs> buys and sells television rights for a living and he buys and sells television rights because he's not a big guy to smaller leagues. He has sold the Belarus league 
in 14 different countries. And he's done very, very well out of it simply because it was the only show in town until very, very recently. Uh, well, I think, no disrespect to Nicaragua, but I think Nicaragua, they, they moved on to the playoff phase now. Yeah, it's a baseball so, country anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, if you can do that, if you can get out and, and, and play, I think there are opportunities. I think, you know, people, people are starved for sports. It's, it's an obvious cliche. I think the dynamic that's going to be a little bit, it's going to make this a little bit interesting is, you know, if we are going to play club football in Europe in June and July, that's new for us, right? June is about, you know, the World Cup and Euros and July is about transfers. Now, in MLS, I, and I don't quite know what the plans are to come back, but if you are playing in June, July, it is kind of your, your natural habitat in, in some ways, right? In terms of, in terms of adjusting to the weather, in terms of adjusting to, to conditions, simply the, the rhythm, what other sports are on, you know, you're only competing against baseball. Um, I think, you know, that can give, that can certainly, that's certainly something that, that can give um, MLS a, a bit of an edge. We talked with Paul Tenorio last week of The Athletic about just kind of the finances and the transfer market. And obviously his focus is more MLS. Um, but he was kind of cautiously optimistic that, because of the structure of MLS, they might be primed uh, to maybe start spending more. Um, I know in Europe, a lot of the talk is just player swaps. It's going to be player swaps, player swaps. That's probably going to be the best way to, to kind of get, alleviate finances. What, what's your opinion? I know that you keep a close eye on, on contracts and, and things like that. What's your opinion of the world market coming out of this? Well, let me just answer the, if I can just address the player swaps thing, because I've heard this repeated. The guy at Barcelona said it. And by the way, I think he's the highest profile actual club guy who said it. I'm not going to have a go at Barcelona, but everybody knows that they have no money and everybody knows that they want to go and they want to sign Lautaro and bring back Neymar and whatever. And so every day, I read the Catalan press every day. It's Ooh, player swaps. Yes. It's the way forward. Look, we're so innovative. Let's take all these old crappy overpaid players. Bye-bye Arturo Vidal. Bye-bye Ivan Rakitic. And let's trade them for younger, more talented players who make less money, right? Oh, here, come here, Lautaro. I, I, I just find this silly. Um, player swaps are very attractive to teams because no money changes hands, so you don't have to do a line of credit, and you can create a wonderful accounting gimmick because essentially incomings get booked. Um, it, when you buy a player, you spread the cost over the life of his contract, uh, whereas – when you, when you sell a player, you book the profit straight away. So effectively, if, you know, if, if I swap, uh, you know, Max Bretos for my iPhone here, uh, and I can say, Good oh, look, they're both, they're both work a, worth a hundred million and my iPhone had a five-year contract. Uh, and then all of a sudden, boom, I've made 80 million out of nothing. That's the big appeal of swaps. Um, but taking it back to your question in, in, in MLS, um, I mean, I think the European game is going to take a hit. There's no question about it. Um, I think it's difficult for me to predict which way MLS is going to go, because obviously it's a very commercial league um, from what I understand. Um, and it's going to be a question of are the fans, the fans will be there, but are the fans going to have as much disposable income? Are sponsors going to be have marketing budgets? 
that allow you to put that money in? Um, and obviously, are you going to have owners who are willing to spend? And, you know, it's funny, uh, we're talking about this off air. I, um, I went to grad school in, in New York at Columbia, and it was the year that MLS launched. So that tells you how I'm really, really old. And it's just for fun. I look back at the attendances in, in 96 and 97, and I looked at some of the legacy teams that were there in 97, and obviously that's not LAFC, um, and are still there today. And I would imagine that, man, there must have been a bunch of like eight or 10-year-olds who are now adults and are taking their kids. And those guys, in some cases, have marginally, their attendances are almost the same as if, you know, as they were in the late 90s. And I kind of feel like this whole push has been driven, you know, not everywhere, and you guys would know better than me, by by some of the newer clubs, obviously Atlanta and, and whatever else, and, and Portland and Seattle. So I look at this and I question, and I kind of wonder, you know, what's going on? You know, it's almost like there's a there's a lost generation of, of fans, almost like some teams squander their, their first mover advantage. And that is a part, and you guys would know better than me, and look, I mean, you guys are asking me questions, I, I can't give answers, but when I look at MLS on the outside, I wonder, what have these guys been doing? You know, are, are they so rich that they didn't care or they're happy with with where they are um i i think i mean i had the opportunity to talk to ivan gazidis a while back about this and obviously he was there in in the early years of mls and i you know i we both sort of agreed that that expansion that took place really really lifted a lot of teams and generated a lot of enthusiasm that really we in europe notice now um and and but you know and that is driven by the new owners and and and, and by the new clubs that, that have come along in, in the last seven or eight years. I, I was going to ask you something else, but what is that like where the European community notices that? How? Give me an example of, of what kind of exposure MLS is getting, particularly the clubs that you mentioned: LAFC, Atlanta United, where there's some European. Take Carlos Vela, who's at Real Sociedad, goes there. That's a big move. But how these clubs are getting more and more into the fabric of the the internet, there, the newspapers for using a bit of a data reference, but how they how they claiming a little bit more property. So one obvious thing is that MLS does very well, um, and I don't, and I'm sure there's some guy locked away in their offices who does this, who's who's pretty much a genius at it. At it is is social, right? Everybody around the world, if you see a great goal, a great piece of skill, something funny, and it's well packaged, you don't even need to speak the language. You're like, hey, this is freaking cool, right? And, you know, my uh, my co-host on the Gavin Jules show, the podcast I do, Julian, I don't know, Julian like, sleeps like two hours a night. So he, he actually is one of those guys who stays up to watch MLS. He sleeps then- two hours a night? I, it's, yeah, but it's the only way I can I, I can I can I, I can explain this because God, I wish I could we'll come that. in on a Monday morning and he's like, "Oh, Gab, did you see last night? You know, Portland the Timbers against." And I'm like, "No, no, that game kicked off at four o'clock in the morning, London time, Jules. I was fast asleep." Um, but I I think you know that kind of stuff really really stands out. Obviously, until last year, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention him on an LAFC podcast. Yes, you but- can. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Obviously, that moved the needle tremendously. That's great. That's we can't run away from that. I think it's a big deal. But you know, but you—that's what you expect when you get somebody who's a big personality who comes in. Um, 
But I think, you know, further down the food chain, like by the end of the season, what, you know, I think it was two years ago, Atlanta was getting, people were actually tuning in to Atlanta in, in the playoffs two years ago, you know, because people were like, well, this is good. This is, this is different. We like what's going on. People were noticing those things. Um, I think one of the difficulties to wrap your head around, and uh, just the way the league is made up, it's neither good nor bad, um, and it has its benefits relative to, you know, places like Syria and or the Bundesliga where the same team always wins, is the parity ap- aspect, right? It's the absence of of a super club that's easily identifiable. You know, I may not. I may not watch the, uh, you know, people may not watch the Argentine league, but Boca and River are are super clubs. Flamengo is a super club in in Brazil, right? Um, MLS, and you guys would know better than me because a lot of things like on a lot of American sports are geared towards parity. You don't necessarily have that super big brand that people will, that people in other parts of the world will will jump on. And so, you know, maybe Slatan comes and so, whoa, it's Slatan. And then he leaves and then people are like, well, is, was the brand Slatan or was it the team that he was on? So I think in that way, you know, there is, there is work to be done. Gabby, I want to change the subject just a little bit, but because you mentioned your, your podcast, I've been loving the Alphabet 11 on the Gavin Jules podcast. And I'm hoping you can settle something for me and the rest of my coworkers. Uh-oh. Max Bredos one day, we're watching, we're in, we're in the office, we're watching Champions League, and uh, Diego Simeone comes on. Max has to prognosticate anytime he sees Diego Simeone. He says to me, easily top five best Argentinian player of all time. And I, th- I think and I had top, something in my I think I had top something. Top 20 all time player. Yeah. And then he goes, I had something in my hand, and I go, no way, you gotta be kidding me. And I think I even asked you, and you said, Max, that you did not <laughs> have Batistuta in the top five, but had Simeone. And then that's when he doubled down and said, top 20, maybe all time. Can you settle this for us? All right. So I got to declare my bias here. I absolutely loved Diego Simeone as a player. I had the privilege uh, when, uh, when he was coaching in Argentina, he was in between jobs. I went to Buenos Aires. I went to his house. He took me out for, uh, took me out for a stay. He, he told me how much he absolutely hates golf and how he discourages <laughs> his players from playing golf or thinking about golf. And I don't like golf, don't Smart man. Early. but you know, man Smart after man. my own heart, you know, he's like, he's like, if you're under the age of 50, you shouldn't even consider playing golf. Uh, but I got to say, this is Argentina. We're talking about Vince, uh, Max. Yes. Yeah, I know. Come I know. on, man. Come on. I think, I, listen, listen, can I just tell you how, how I look, being Italian, I'm going to have a weak spot for Argentina, right? They're kind of like our, our brothers from another mother across the, uh, across the seas. But Argentina's produced so many absurdly good players over the year, including, and I'm just telling you guys, because I am excited because I'm writing, I'm writing a column about it for ESPN, the, the best player that very few people ever saw is a guy named Tomas Karlovic, known as El Trinche, the fork, who used from Rosario, Diego Maradona went to visit him, and Diego Maradona said, "You know what? You were probably better than me." And so many people in Argentine football, from Menotti to Peckerman, say that he was the single most talented player they've ever seen. And you don't need me to remind you 
who else happens to be from Rosario, the little guy who plays for Barcelona. So yeah. I, I, Karlovic probably belongs ahead uh, ahead of El Cholo Simeone on that list. Sorry, Max. And Batistuta. Like, it has a Batistuta. Has well, to be. Batistuta. Come on, he's the Lion King. Come on, man. Who else could get David Beckham red carded in a World Cup? None other than the of people, genius of Diego Simeone. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I'm such a fan gab of that position. And I know it's not the sexiest. It's not the playmaker. It's not the goal scorer. But I stand firm that that position that he would play, and he kind of reinvented a little bit more where he's not just your typical ball winner, was uh, the lifeblood for the Argentine national team. Obviously, his time at Atletico Madrid, where they reached heights where they did it in so long, and then his time in Italy as well, where I think he adapted and, and blended too. I, I, when I look through the history books, I don't see enough. Maybe I put the management in there too, and that gives him an unfair advantage. But I, I look back at the player and uh, I just get mesmerized. Plus the fact he only he never turned down a, a national team call. But again, top, I, I know what you're saying. Top five in Argentina is a very tough list to crack. Yeah, I'd say so. But he did gain some points with his hatred of golf because I don't understand that either because that's a six-hour <laughs> commitment every day. If you're playing six hours of golf, you, you, that is your passion, and that's it. You know, this is how he put it. He's like, ah, you know, my players, they sit around in their hotel rooms with, like, the TV remote control, and I tell them, all right, you go ahead, click through all the channels. If you see green, stop. If it's a football match, watch it. You'll learn something. If it's a golf, if it's golf, just keep going. Oh, let me, I'll follow this really quickly because we did, I, I did a list of my favorite footballers that were not, weren't exactly the most hardworking on the field. Cut a few corners on the field, maybe enjoyed a, an extra, you know, a little extra food, enjoyed having a drink from time to time. I came up with names like Paul Gascoigne, uh, Guatemoc Blanco was at the top of my list, Thomas Brolin, who was uh, in and out of shape all the time. It, who else did I have in there? Um, I had Clint Mathis of the United States as well as that kind. Carlos Valderrama, who hated running. Could you think of a, a candidate that we could put on that list? Because I'm having fun with Vince and some friends, and we've we, this has started to really kick up as a as a fun little little game we're playing. I mean, I think one obvious. I'll give you two obvious ones. Yes. Uh, from from the two countries where I do my work. Uh, one uh, from England, Matt Letizia. Yes, um, great I one. I think would have to be. Up there, although somebody told me that Letizia wasn't actually out of shape. It's just his body type. That's just yeah. the way he looks. But the other one, and I will quote because I have memorized it from his autobiography, right? He wrote an autobiography while he was still playing. And in his autobiography, he says, I have a plan for when I retire. I want to become fat. No, not just fat, really fat. I want to become obese. I want to go out and eat as much as I can, whenever I can. And that man, of course, is the legendary Antonio Cassano, who, you know, in his, he is, I, I rarely do you meet a footballer who is so open about his weaknesses, you know, giving the impression that he really didn't care. He would talk about how, you know, he'd be, he'd be at Real Madrid and, and the night before the game, they, they all stay in the hotel at, at at Valdebebas, and he had one teammate who would often be visited by, by young ladies because he knew he was going to be on the bench, like Cassano. And so he decided to join in, but the big proviso was he would text her a list of 
you know, sweets and candy bars and, and chocolates that she needed to pick up at the, at the gas station outside the training ground. Um, he's possibly the most self-effacing footballer. And, and he knows it. He knows that, you know, for me, he is probably the most talented Italian. And you may yeah. disagree, Vince. Probably the most talented Italian player that we've had since, since Mancini and, you know, and Baggio wow. and that, and that, and that well, generation. He's up there for me, too. I was so overwhelmed with his talent. And it, unfortunately, it didn't quite hit those. But that's, that's very high praise, though. Well, Max, yeah. you, you have the connection. I remember we were at training, LAFC training one day. And I brought – I just had on my phone. It was the anniversary of that goal against Inter when he played for Bari. And, and I showed it to Max. I go, Max, you remember this goal? I still, I, it's one of the only goals in my head that I can we just visualize the, the entire thing. And Max goes, do I remember that goal? When I worked for Fox Soccer, I called that game because one of the few, we used to get like one game a week from Italy. And that was one of the games I watched at home. And Max goes, yeah, I called that game. I go, oh yeah, I watched yeah, that when I was, was a 18. kid. And Max goes, thanks a lot. Yes, I know. He watched it. It was, uh, he, that was the game winner against Inter. And then the first goal was this young Nigerian player, Hugo Enyinaya. Enyinaya, that's right. Enyinaya scored the first. And Cassano, I go, look at these kids at body. And they really didn't go. They didn't go anywhere. Cassano did move to, to bigger clubs, but uh, it, was, it was cool. I always enjoy, not to change something, my favorite part of, of covering this is being able to identify that next young player. Whether he, I, When I covered Argentina with Sergio Aguero, when you see these guys are 15, 16, 17, and you get that feeling that you're one of the first people to see it, you get real. I get really excited. Oh no question, no question about that. When uh, you know, I like I live like less than a mile away from from Stamford Bridge, and you know, there's a whole collection of hugely talented kids here, and you know, Callum Hudson Adoy and, and whatever. Well, that Pulisic guy they tell us is pretty good too, um, but they had this guy there named Reese James who. You know, he played for Wigan last year on loan. And I don't watch the one. What the hell is this, right? And then you see him. And the guy's built like Robocop. And, you know, I remember the center back pings in the ball. And he just kills it. Like he's freaking Eric Cantona. Like his stop. And then he goes and he spreads a pass. And he's strong. And he's talented. And he's, his crosses are, are, are inch perfect. And you just wonder, my God, this is so exciting. Because you wonder... What is this guy going to become? I don't even, you know, he's played right back for Chelsea. He could easily play, play center back. He could play in midfield. He could play right wing. He could, I mean, he could probably play almost any position. And it is exciting when you're seeing that and you're wondering, what will these guys become? I, we can't, Gab, yeah, we could talk to you all day. It's just because I, I can see how we go off on these tangents, but I know it's late and we appreciate your time. But it's a fun game. These the young players, the out of shape players. We can we can pick that up anytime. Come out to LA and visit us. We'll roll it out when the stadium's up and running again. And we'd love to have you here at some point. So don't be a stranger. I look. I I would absolutely absolutely love to. Got a whole bunch of uh, uh, friends out there in in LA. Got happy memories uh, from LA. So soon as this uh soon as this freaking pandemic uh allows it i will uh i will happily uh come out there uh in the meantime we will cherish these zooms gabriel marcotti gabriele marcotti did i say that right Just you said it right and uh look like i said in the vein of those cold players my piece on thomas karlovich el trinche is going to come out soon and if you come up with theories as to why a footballer might be called el trinche uh, I'd love to hear them.
Yeah, follow Gab on, on Twitter. And obviously, it is a surplus and a great writer for ESPN FC. You will become a smarter football fan. That's what we all want. Thanks again, Gab. This is Inside LAFC. We'll be back with the Faux Classico, Dave Denholm, Mario Ruiz, and we'll talk about a, an LAFC Galaxy game that happened, sort of. That's next. <laughs>Back here on Inside LAFC with Max and Vince. We've got some special guests that will be joining us here, but we're going to set the table a little bit because what you are about to hear or will hear the explanation of is something we don't think's ever happened. There hasn't been a reason for something like this, but this is broadcast history. So you're you're participating in something a lot bigger than just our, our little podcast here. And we're bringing in Dave Denholm, the radio voice for LAFC and the producer on 710, Mario Ruiz. And Vince, I'll hand it off to you because Dave did something here that uh, and we were we were raking through our minds, but there really isn't a precedent for. Yeah, I mean, we, t- we talk a lot about how unique the LAFC and LA Galaxy Derby is, the fact that it became a rivalry from minute one. But in terms of uniqueness, nothing is going to touch what we're going to talk about here because in world football, there is not a single shred of anything that is similar to this. There's been games called off of simulations. There's been games called off of video game players. We know eSports is big now, but what Dave and Mario did, and when people hear this on Saturday, they're going to be astounded that, that this is even possible. And Dave can give us a little bit more yeah. idea of how, how he wasn't even sure it was possible. And it is the Faux Classico. It'll be available on Saturday on LAFC YouTube, Twitch, and LAFC.com. Mario, I'll, I'll get your thoughts here. But f- first of all, Dave, by calling it the Faux Classico, it's great because we don't have to argue about what we call this Derby. This is a perfect name because it is what it is. How did, how did this idea all begin? Well, it, it all began with my wife, uh, which most of my, the good things that happen to me do. Uh, she actually just, we were sitting around and she just asked, it was right at the beginning of the season, roughly. And she just asked me, like, with all this stuff happening now, do you think you could just call a game for 90 minutes just off the top of your head? Of course, I <laughs> that seems ridiculous. Just listen to that for a question for a minute. That, I would be like, no, I can't. 90 yeah. minutes? I can do anything about it. Max, that was my first thought, no. Because I just figured I'd get lost about two minutes in, you know, and just there's no way. But I, I thought it was an interesting question, and we kind of talked about it for maybe a couple of minutes that night. But it did lay the seeds in my head. And then now, of course, with the lockdown happening and nobody playing, nobody doing much of anything, certainly we're all trying to be safe and just locked down in our homes for the most part. I started to uh, you know, think maybe this could be something that people might want to hear. Maybe I want to do it. I started to get the juices flowing a little bit because I was missing you know, the game and missing MLS and missing LAFC and being at the bank. So I approached my fearless producer, Mario. We chatted and uh, Mario said, yeah, you got to do it. And like an idiot, I asked him if I should, which I probably should have just not even bothered and just let the conversation go and never even tried it. But uh, I think I just wanted the confirmation from Mario that I should, you know, because he uh, he always kind of steers me in the right direction with this stuff. So he said, yeah, you should go for it. He was pumped up about it. So that got me even more fired up. And I guess the rest is history. Well, history will be made on Saturday, hopefully, and if people enjoy it. And that's really what it's about. It, honestly, for me, it was a great escape. I got to do two hours of the game. I got to do prep work beforehand. 
and I forgot about our current situation for hours, you know, and I hope that's what people take from it. Yes, we all want to be back in the bank, of course, more importantly, real, you know, in real life, watching real football again, together, shoulder to shoulder, but hopefully this will give them a couple of hours to have some fun with, and maybe we can even discuss it further and continue, you know, just kind of get closer together as a community, as LAFC, that's really what it's all about. Mario, tell, tell the truth. Dave, you know Dave better than all of us. He comes to you and says, hey, I think I'm going to call a game live. You're a positive guy, but tell me the truth. What were you thinking? No, I, immediately I love the idea. I love the name of it. I love the idea. <laughs> I heard the energy in his voice. I kind of was like, he's kind of pumped about it. He's asking me if he should do it or not. But really, I knew deep down. He was ready to do this. He could do it. He's a soccer nut, LAFC nut. He's super talented. If anybody could do it, I knew Dave could do it. And, man, did he ever. <laughs> but, but, Mario, even though Dave said he could do it, I mean, that is a huge – and I've, I've heard some of it. It's, it, it's, it mirrors a real game perfectly. And we'll get into the details of what you did, but you had to think before telling him it's okay, all right, what do we have to do to pull this off to make it look legit? Because it sounds legit. Oh, yeah. I mean – I knew once he told me the idea, I said, okay, I was thinking it out in my head. What do we need to do this? I knew he was going to be able to pull it off. I had all the confidence in him. I was like, if he pulls this off, okay, then it's going to be in my hands to pull off the audio part, all that stuff. And I knew I had banks and banks of, of audio, LAFC audio. I have 3252, you know, singing, doing chants. I have crowd noise, um, you know, just doing this whole LAFC radio, ESPN radio, audio thing. Audio, I've been in audio for years, so I got this. So, I mean, I got, I got 3252 chance of them singing Bob the Builder from the press conference from Bob the Builder's announcement. <laughs> I, rem I remember you know? that moment. Yeah. yeah, so I was ready, I was ready for it. You know, well, the, the greatest I thing I real quick, Vince, uh, I, I must jump in because Mario said he knew I could do it. Well, the only thing I knew was I knew Mario could do what he was going to have to do. You guys are a good team. Yeah, that's part of the reason I talked to him, too. I wanted to make sure we could make it sound like a real game because it would just be – it wouldn't make a lot of sense. Like, look, I could try to do 90 minutes, and if we couldn't add what Mario added, then it wouldn't be the same thing by any means. You know, I mean, his work on this is just outstanding and really – it makes all the difference. You know, I mean, we can sit here and, and people can do play by play and do all this stuff, but to make it sound like he did, uh, I really, even, even I, when I listened to it for the first time was felt like I was there. I, I kind of got lost in it because when I did it, obviously I'm not looking at anything. So I didn't really remember every detail of the game. You know, when you see a game, Max knows when you call a game that you see for a couple hours after you pretty much know what happened there. Like, the nitty gritty of it, but I didn't see anything. So the first time I listened to it when Mario had finished it, oh, it was like I got lost in it because I didn't even remember a lot of the stuff that happened, you know? So, and I was hearing the chants and getting into the crowd and it was amazing. Well, like mine's Dave, cause I was, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, you know, like a coming, a guy, a musical guy coming from, from that background, you know, a good producer, what they do is they let the talent shine and they, oh, yeah. they add nuance, they add depth. And I'll tell you, and without giving anything away, there's an early moment in the match where there's a chance. And the crowd noise goes from crowd noise to what you generally hear after a chance. You hear the ooh. And that yeah. was the moment where I was like, I'm locked in. Like Mario nailed it. <laughs> Wait, how, exactly what he was doing. Don't, Vince, but Mario, how did you do that? How did you time it? Was that just editing? 
Oh yeah, hours and hours of editing. Listen, I've, I've done every single LAFC radio game, uh, you know, since the beginning, since day one. So I know all the sounds of the stadium. But, I know but, all the sounds. But Mario, I said, you know the cadence of the call. So he's calling it and you have to have this buildup. And I heard it too. You hear the buildup of the call and then you hear the, ooh, where they, and that's all in there. So you had to really go with a fine tooth comb and edit those, those parts in every cadence up and down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, wow. there's parts in there where, you know, Vela might go to a corner kick. And what do you hear when Vela goes over into the corner? You always hear <laughs> that side of the stadium <laughs> saying, MVP. Yeah. MVP. Wow. <laughs> so that might be in there. I'm, not, I'm just saying. It might be yeah. in there. It might not be in there. So yeah, that's amazing. Like that, I know. There are a lot of little, uh, whatever the kids call them, Easter eggs that Mario dropped in, whatever that's called nowadays, little, little bonuses. <laughs> for the kids who are going to listen to this to uh, pick up on it. It's amazing. I mean, and I don't say it lightly. I've listened to it more than once and I still am hearing things for the first time that Mario did. So like I said, man, I, I did the easy part of this. There, there is no, Dave, really quickly, there is no easy part to this. Well, and that's, the, that's what I want to convey to people. This is, you guys did a, I produced a TV show essentially because it required the, the execution, the talent, the, the plan, the editing, the, the post-production, and yeah. it's all there. Yeah, and that's, what, that's one of the things I wanted to mention too, Max, is some people might think we're doing this live. Of course, now if they're listening to this podcast, they understand that just wasn't going to be possible because, again, it would have been flat. It wouldn't have made sense. I knew going in Mario was going to do an awesome job with this. That made it easier for me to attack this for 90 plus minutes or what, because I just knew it was going to sound great if I could pull it off. Like I knew he would handle his business. And if we didn't have that, like we're doing it live and we were just kind of faking audio, you know, like where yeah. maybe he could put a baseline. That just wouldn't sound the same, you know, and it just, this had to be done this way. And frankly, also, if I couldn't pull it off, I wasn't going to send, nobody was going to know. <laughs> I'm sorry. And like, it was just, it was an experiment and Mario might've heard some of it because I probably would have been laughing about it and wanted him to hear how bad it was, but we made it work. So it, it just full credit to him. It just awesome job. It really is amazing. And coming from a music background too, like you were saying, Vince too, I have a little bit of a music background too. So when I was all done after the hours and hours of editing, um, I took it to other rooms. I took it to the car. I listened to it in different rooms just to make sure that it sounded right. Because on different speakers, you might hear the crowd a certain way or you might hear Dave a certain way. So I made sure that it sounded right. I, I ran through a couple tests. <laughs> there had to be a lot of tests. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, I mean, how, yeah, did you, was... how did you guys go back and forth between each other? Because like we said, there's nothing to compare this to. Look, music at the end of the day, we can kind of have an idea. You have a reference point. I mean, you guys had to get the pitch perfect sound right from a live match from what, not just in your head, Dave, but in your heads from the, the hundreds of times that you've watched LAFC and been a part of that. Yeah, I definitely, I purposely threw in a few things. Again, no spoilers, but knowing that Mario had what he had too. Like I, and Mario convinced me like, no problem. Whatever you need to do, you can reference stuff. You can, you know, I'll find it or I have it. It's, you know, we'll make it work. So there were times when I could kind of go with the flow, if you will, of maybe a, a heated moment or something and reference the 3252 and the great work that they do every game, getting the crowd pumped. And I knew Mario knew he had it. 
So yeah, it made a difference. We did have to kind of plan some of that out. Now Mario also helped me with the technical end because I just did it at my home and during the lockdown. So I used my regular, like pretty good mic, you know, my, my headset, if you will, and put it into a good recorder that Mario recommended that I can record onto. <laughs> Got those huge files off to him. And then it, it was like, I felt a relief, but boy, it was a lot of work for him. And I knew that. So I wanted to make it easy. I tried to, you know, reference places where the goals came. I took stats as I was doing it. And so I kind of wrote down what time I didn't know when they were going to score in my head or what was going to happen. So wow. I, had, I had no notes that way. So once the game was over, I made sure Mario knew the stat, like got all the score, you know, like here's some shots, here's where the goals happen Mario. So it made it a little bit easier for him, hopefully. Yeah, Mario, when you, when you received that big file, like, like Dave said, he needed you to round it out, right? So you're getting that file, but even though there's not crowd noises yet, there's not the little things that you were going to put in and kind of tweet, what was the initial reaction to just taking it all in and in that first kind of raw listen through? When I first opened it up, his first couple lines where he was like, welcome to Faux Traffic, go live from Becca, California State. It sounded like all it needed was just a little bit of that crowd. And, and honestly, the hardest part was, was, you know, the 3252, they don't stop chanting, right? So you got to have them the entire time. Now, if any other team in the league wanted to do something like this, you could add like uh, a fake crowd in the background and just let, leave it there, you know, and add some oohs and ahs, but not at the bank. At the uh, bank, we're rocking the whole time. They're chanting the whole time. So I had to make sure that, that the 3252 was going from one chant to the next chant to the next chant. I had to, I had to make it uh, legit, right? Dave, did you uh... – it's obviously this was if to recreate this game would be to recreate that it was game number nine or 10 or whatever the season. Did you create stats about these players that would have, I mean, obviously not real stats, fabricated stats about where they would have stood after nine games, like for saying, Hey, Rossi has four or five goals or, or, or all those details, or maybe a guy was or injured or stuff that would have played into this game that would have happened in a, in a make-believe rounds three through eight. This is a broadcaster asking a broadcast question because I thought of the same thing, Matt. Because I, I, I know. <laughs> and, I, and I purposely just decided I'll use the first couple games since both teams had played two games. If someone had scored a goal or like Carlos, obviously, Vela had scored a few, you know, a few games. I used those stats up until the two games. But then I also mostly used – the you know El Trafico stats that okay a lot. that probably saved you a lot of uh, a face because it's yeah, uh, it, mean, that would have been impossible to create yeah no I didn't want to fake anything that yes much. it sounds it's a fake game but I didn't want to fake the stats or but I also didn't want to reference too much of you know like I didn't go too deep into the woods of like you know Sasha question three years ago stats or but I mean I, I got my regular notes ready it's just like yeah I definitely used the first two games of this season if players had scored or if they got a red card, which nobody did, but you know what I mean. And then mostly referencing the, you know, plenty of stats from Carlos in El Traffic. You know, he's guy's got a dozen goals almost, you know, he's scored so many goals against them and Diego in the play, you know, everybody's playoff stats and things like that. But there was moments where I almost felt like you, you were going to, and, and, and I'm glad it, it, it didn't happen, but like a surprise, like when you're going through the lineups, I figured that's how you did it, but I still stood in there to think maybe go, hey, well, Kenneth Vermeer, uh, Pablo Cisniega, Bally, maybe Cisniega, but you stayed away from that, and I think that was absolutely the right choice. But there's also this uh, – uh, 
just this anticipation to everything you say. I, and that's, I guess maybe even the less I knew it was even the better because you were just, you were painting this picture and it came out and I was listening to it earlier and the, the more you listen to it, the more you get into it. And you've yeah. done that with the amount, less details than is normally at your fingertips doing a game. Well, I do. I want to stress that I did not have any idea where this game was going other than, well, I won't even give it away, but it was yeah, one, maybe not. one basic point, plot line. That, but, you know, even I've, I've had other people referencing this game now, the words getting out a little bit. I heard a podcast talking about it, a national radio uh, soccer podcast, and they were convinced that I had to have written a script they haven't heard anything yet. <laughs> the game's not out yet. It was released yeah. Saturday. But they were like, of course he's going to have to do it with a script. Or, and no, I, no. I had no, no idea where this game was going. In fact, I, I did. I literally had to write down the minute, you know, minutes that certain things happened because wow. I, I had no idea they were going to. I mean, after I kept my own stats as I was doing it. So I had to like kind of just keep, you know, making sure I didn't. And it's so funny because I try to do that during regular games sometimes, and Mario has to help me because I miss it during regular games. So I'm not very good at keeping stats when I'm doing a game that I can actually see either. So it was a little tricky that way. But, no, I just wanted to make sure I had no preconceived notions of what was going to happen. There weren't any planned red cards or fights or anything crazy or anything like it was just straight up just you know do the game whenever you in your mind's eye i guess but but, but how did you get the the vision how did your vision go all right no, here it is we're in the we're in the midfield oh here's here's a run by rossi because yeah. it sounded so organic and it it, it never felt i was wondering are, is he going to follow the suit of maybe the, a couple games where there was a goal in the first few minutes you did not do that and then you, it, it just came naturally with those, with those things. Did you close your eyes and kind of go, you envisioned yourself at the stadium? Yeah. One of the, I mean, really it's a good question because one of the, the one things I did have to do that was a little different than I normally would. I had all my stats regularly and I would have my lineup card, but what I did was I also took a card and split it in half the two sides of the field and wrote the players in their positions for first half. And then I flipped it for a new card in the second half so, like, for instance, if LAFC was going away from the 32-50, I had to rewrite it in the second half, so I flipped it. So I knew, like, this is my, my vision of the field, if you will, in my head. Although, you know, I just just for referencing names. And the, mean, But those cards must have helped you. You said, right, I can go yeah, through the flow of the motion with this card. Yeah, wow. I didn't write anything on them other than names, but at least I knew, like, okay – they bang it into the right corner of the field. Who's playing over there just to make sure I remember. Obviously, sometimes you're going to get lost in some of these things. And, it, again, it's definitely not 100% perfect, this whole game, by any means. Unbelievable. That helped, you know, just to kind of – once you flip the second – you know, because that would have been too hard to keep track of if, okay, now they're going the opposite direction, but who's playing the left-back spot still for the Galaxy? Who's, you know, who's going to overlap sometimes and who's going to stay home sometimes? I tried to just – have it on the card so it, once it happened, it just was natural because, again, I didn't write anything down, so I just let it go and just kind of let it happen. And generally speaking, you know, sometimes we know that LAFC switches positions, you know, a lot. So do the <laughs> Galaxy. So, you know, you sometimes have to just go with that. Like, occasionally guys are going to switch. The wingers are going to be all over the place. So, occasionally, you know, I might have got lost in my head a little bit, but at least I, I feel like I made it up, made up for it, so – well, Dave, when I talked to you, we, we got to get into it a little bit and you said, you know, I didn't feel as much pressure at first because it was going to be whatever it was going to be. You said you were yeah. going to put it out. If it was good, if it wasn't, you weren't going to, you were going to trash it. But I'm wondering from Mario's perspective, because he's <laughs> looking at it this way. It's done. You've done a lot of work, Dave, obviously, and he gets it. 
he knows his audience. He knows who's going to be listening to this, the 3252, our fans who they're going to know if it's fake. So was there any ever a moment, Mario, where you were like, oh man, what did I get myself into? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, this is a process of, of editing. So, I mean, it sounded good the whole time, but man, it was, it was tedious work. I was like, man, I'm I barely at the bet. 20th minute and I've been here for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I got to get to the 90th minute, but I was excited the whole time because I didn't know the result. He didn't tell me what happened. He didn't tell me who scores any of the goals. So the whole time I'm wondering, oh, is the goal about to happen? Is the goal about to happen? Oh, no, here comes some more booze. <laughs> and then when the, when the goal actually happens, I'm, like, I'm excited. I'm adding in all kinds of effects. I'm trying to make it sound legit. So I had a, I had a blast putting it all together. But, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a process for sure. Well, how long do you – if you don't remember, how long was did it probably take you in, in hours or days to edit that? It was it was a bunch of chunks, you know, of like. But this was over a few, this was over several days where you just did a bit here. Yeah, it was like three hours here, three hours there. Uh, I'd lay down in the bed and put my laptop on my lap and just start editing with my headphones on. Wake up, do some more. Uh, middle day after lunch, I'll do some more. And on top of that, I still got ESPN LA stuff that I'm doing. So it was just, yeah. it's been a Jeez. busy quarantine. Dan, Dan, Denholm's killing you over here. I mean, it was <laughs> you got the, a blast, though. the needy talent who's always texting and emailing. Are you done yet? Are you done yet? What does it sound like? Oh, you must've been, you must've been chomping at the bit, Dave. I would've been like, I gotta hear it. Give me an excert. Give me a couple minutes. Give me the first you know, 10 minutes. Cause it felt pretty good at halftime. And then I took my 15 minute typical halftime break. I tried to like recreate what I normally would do, get my tea and get my throat stuff going. And didn't um, get to come say hi to us though at halftime. Yes, I, I, you really <laughs> missed. <laughs> but I did go talk to my wife about that. I actually said this is normally when I'm talking to Max and the events and all that. So, but for me, when it was over, I, I kind of realized that it had gone pretty well, you know, decent. Like I didn't get lost or anything. Like I knew some we had something here. So then I really was just like, I gotta get this to Mario immediately. And let's we had already planned on obviously the day of El Trafico being a good day to release it, certainly, and that makes the most sense. So thankfully LAFC has agreed with that. That you know, obviously it's going to be dropped right when kickoff would happen. So Mario had that, you know, great idea. We'd already agreed on that, but I still wanted to just hear it done, you know, and he's been working on it for a while, no doubt. And I knew it was going to take a while because it is such hard work, but I was so pumped when he got when he said he was done and he sent it back. Oh, it was great. Hey, I, I don't want to forget if, to ask this because this is something I want to know personally, but how did that help you with your craft? We all have idle hands here. We're trying to find stuff, but to go through, I've done this a little bit with video games when I've had the opportunity, but to go through the process of researching and doing it and actually calling, even just calling a game has to have done wonders for just that inner clock, inner workings of you in, in the broadcast. It felt pretty good. Yeah. I, I would think that uh, the one thing that I could kind of relate it to is we all talk about reps, right? You got to get your reps in. You got to go call games. You got to, if you're a play-by-play -play or a wannabe, you know, hopeful play-by-play -play person someday in the future, you better get out there and just call whatever you can. To me, this felt like doing about 10 games in one. <laughs> I had to keep everything, you know, like I was super focused. Not that we're not focused when we do our jobs normally, of course. That was it. That was aimed at me. I know. No, I mean, it was just like <laughs> so intense in my own head that I had to let it go and just let it flow. But I also, it felt like it was probably like 10 games that I did in terms of practice, even though I hadn't thought about it going into it, you know, just every minute detail you're thinking about as it's happening, 
and the game is ticking off and I'm watching the clock that I had set up. And, you know, it's like, it felt like 10 games of practice. I, I would recommend people trying it if they, I mean, you know, give it a shot. Uh, I'm not saying you should. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Maybe you just don't feel like that. I get it. But if you're an aspiring play-by-play person, you know, the good news is obviously I knew the Galaxy and LAFC very well in the sense of rosters and things like I couldn't pull this off necessarily with FC Dallas going against Colorado. I think I told Vince that before. No offense to those great organizations, but like this was, I needed that like, oh, you know, faux traffic. I needed the big part of this too. And I knew Mario would come through because of that as well. We love the rivalry. Of course, everybody loves the rivalry, even though we love to hate the rivalry at times too. But you needed that as well to really just get you through something like this. This definitely was great practice for you, Dave. And, and I, as your producer, I got to keep you sharp. So if this goes well, if this faux traffic is accepted well, uh-oh, uh-oh. I mean, yeah, be careful. we're all looking forward to Cruz Azul, aren't we? Oh, no. Off. Yes. I'm just saying. I'm just oh. saying. <laughs> Dave would be like, oh, it, the weather's gone terrible. The pollution here in Mexico City. I can barely breathe with this altitude. Yeah. I'm, see, I can't even do it, Dave. Oh. Uh, what have I wrought? <laughs> but that the underlying point remains, and it's you talk about familiarity, Dave, and, and being able to visualize these teams in your head. But even deeper than that, below that, it's it's what you said about the rivalry and what it means to you guys, what it means to the LAFC community as a whole, what it's now meaning to to the world football community. You guys would not have been able to do this if you didn't really love these teams, love this rivalry, love what they produce, what we hope we're going to see in the future. I mean, because like Mario says, he's working, he's working his, his day job and doing that. Yeah. Dave, you're, you're coming. This was, I, I want to stress to people when, when we talk about this, Dave, you didn't just sit down that day and go, okay, I'm going to go through 90 minutes and then hand it off to Mario to work a few hours. No, this was a buildup. I mean, yeah. this, this is a, a true labor of love for you guys. Yeah, I, I would agree with that completely. Mario and I, and I don't want to speak for Mario, but I know he feels the same, that we love this robbery. We love LAFC and what they have done and what this club is all about and what we've built. And it's just, a, it's an honor to be a small part of that. But we just feel like this rivalry is fantastic. I mean, Los Angeles, I've said it time and again, it's one of the best soccer markets in the world. It deserves this kind of rivalry. It deserves fantastic clubs. And that's what we need to keep building on. You know, I, I, I say it all the time. I want LAFC and the Galaxy to play in the Western Conference Finals every year. Right. I mean, that's what I want. I mean, and of course I want the black and gold to win and then go on to win the cup, but I want them both to thrive. I want, you know, this is not about, I'll be honest with you. This is not about LAFC winning 15 nil. If that's what you think happens in this game, you're going to be sorely mistaken, you know, because it's not, you know, I want it to be realistic, but I also just want, I want it to thrive. And I know Mario, you feel the same. Oh yeah. I mean, every time we did a game, uh, Dave and I know we, we came super prepared the whole week, yeah. just prepping for the game. And that's just for the love, the love of what we do and love for the black and gold and the family that is the black and gold. And we just, if we can get together this way by putting together this, this full traffic and bring us all together and, uh, have fun and be together as a family, then that's what we're going to do, you know, because I miss being at the bank. I'll tell you that much. But, and when I was hey, taking man. this and, and doing this with Dave, it brought me back for sure. And hopefully it's the same for everybody else. Yeah. Well, Dave, I can claim Soccer City USA for, for MLS for the longest time until LAFC came in the league. But Los Angeles is Soccer City USA for all soccer, not just MLS, world football. 
like you said, Dave, and now we have another first, the first virtual, like straight from consciousness, Darby. I mean, you'll never have that Portland as well. So remember that Los Angeles, we are Soccer City USA. Eat that, Cascadia. <laughs> I, uh, we mentioned this has never been done before. I know we'll, we'll wrap it up here, but we this was, I guess, some inspiration from the War of the Worlds where Orson Welles <laughs> was on the radio. That was the only thing we could think of. Did that, did that ever pop in your mind? No, until no. you guys said it to me. And then I was okay. like, oh, how did I not think of that? That's brilliant. Yeah, I mean. But that was, that was 70 years ago. And like, yeah, nothing, nothing like this has ever happened. Yeah, I mean, I, we probably shouldn't put in disclaimers. Yeah. Well, Everybody knows, obviously, there's no football going on right <laughs> yeah. now. I guess that doesn't really matter. But we've had some confusion early in this process of, what is this? What are you talking about? You know, and we just wanted to let it sit there for a little bit and kind of marinate. But, yeah, I mean, it definitely has thrown some people, I think, to try to wrap their brain around it a little bit. But I hope they enjoy it. That's all that matters. As Mario said so perfectly, we just want to bring people together to celebrate the black and gold. We listen to it. Put it on the back when you're at home. Leave it running. It's, it's, it's all audio. So you can have your lunch, do whatever you want this weekend and have it in the back. It's really cool. And turn the volume up. It'll be available on YouTube, Twitch, and LAFC.com, all the LAFC handles. Dave and Mario, that was fantastic. I, I, everyone, I'm sure, is gonna, it's going to be a nice cathartic moment on Saturday to hear it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. And Vince, always good. I wish I had a partner as, as good as what Dave has with Mario with you sometimes. I mean, come on, dude. I don't like you that kidding. much. He doesn't, yeah, no, you're he, okay. doesn't, he doesn't mean that. Please subscribe, rate, review Inside LAFC. I hope we had a massive show. We're going to continue to bring it to you through all of this pandemic. And when we start playing again, it's Inside LAFC. And thanks for your support.